Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Weeks, as Susan's been saying to us, we have been concentrating and focusing as a church on enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, why wouldn't we? Because where His presence is, there is peace. Where His presence is, there's joy. Where His presence is, there's love, there's grace, there's encouragement, there's healing, there's restoration, there's repentance, there's favor in His presence. We've seen, as we've looked at this, that the best decisions comes out of you being in the presence of God. The best judgment calls you'll ever make as a family, as individuals, as a married couple will come from being in the presence of God and enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, fullness of joy, liberty. And not just liberty for His people, but liberty for the captives as well. There was a great evangelist called D.L. Moody in the 19th century, and he said, there is no better evangelist than the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe that, you read the book of Acts, and you'll realize what an evangelist the Holy Spirit is. And the good news this morning is we are in His presence. It's a promise. He's here. And we saw last week, for those of you who were here, that Jacob's ladder started at Bethel, started at the house of God, and then reached up, uh, not just to the ceiling, which is high, but reached up to the very heavens itself. We saw that there was angelic activity going up and down the ladder, going in both directions. We saw that it's possible to take earth's problems and take them to heaven and bring back heaven's answers to earth's problems. We saw that angels, whether you believe it or not, or are aware of it or not, are part of our lives. It's got you thinking. We also saw, quite interestingly for men, that uh, Jacob, along with Solomon, made covenants with God whilst they were asleep. I say men, because men do tend to like to sleep. They made covenants with God himself while they were asleep. And if you haven't time to show you, but if you don't believe that, then you read your Bible. But this morning we're turning to a passage of Scripture, which again is very encouraging and inspiring for us. And I've called this morning what we're looking at a place to rest. But first of all, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 8, and we're going to read some verses in that chapter. A place to rest. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. 
the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself, and he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days, sent out the dove, which did not return again to him any more. And God will bless, as he always does, uh, the reading of his word. The first verse of this chapter starts with a real encouragement. The first line says, Then God remembered Noah. Then God remembered Noah. So please never forget that God remembers you. You could go home now just on that one phrase, couldn't you? That God never, ever, ever forgets you. Then God remembered Noah. The psalmist knew that. He says, the Lord remembers us. He says, he will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great those who fear, those who recognize, those who honor God, God remembers you. So picture the scene. Noah on board a ship, an ark, at least two of every animal known to man, the small and the great, on board with him and his extended family. Just imagine It sounds idyllic, doesn't it? But just you imagine what people, humans, animals produce and the conditions often they live in. Just imagine. Imagine the crowd control. Imagine the family, not just there for Christmas, but there for over a year together. And what's Noah sitting waiting for? Is he sitting waiting for peace? (laughs) Is he sitting waiting for some fresh air? Is he sitting waiting for some space? No, Noah's hoping and Noah is longing that God will not 
forget him. He's hoping also that this boat that he built will last the conditions that it's sailing around in. He built the boat. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you haven't built a boat, but maybe your life is going up and down in the waves. And maybe you feel God's forgotten me. Well, verse 1 tells us that God remembers. Isaiah says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen any God who acts for the one who waits on him. No ear, no eye, no one perceived a God who acts like our God as we wait on him. Proverbs says, happy is the man who listens to me watching daily, not weekly, daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors, listening, watching, waiting for God. So the word of God today is God will remember you. Not the person next to you, you. Stand still or sit still and see the salvation of God. See, it was only a chapter before where God had said to Noah, come into the ark, you and your household. And then the floods came and judgment came to those outside of the ark. A chapter in the Bible can be a very long time because Noah was in the ark over 370 days, raining day and night, the waters increasing, so much so that the water, the mountains were covered by the waters. And the Bible says all flesh died. Anything that moved died. Anybody who had rejected God's plan, rescue plan, died. It says, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, all that was on the dry land died. He destroyed all living things. And you're thinking, what a harsh God. You're thinking, that doesn't sound like my God. If that gives you an issue or a problem, think through who gave life in the first place. Who breathed life and air into their nostrils in the first place? Genesis 2 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So that tells me that my very next breath, your very next breath, is dependent on God himself. As he breathes life into us continually, hour by hour, day by day, year by year. Remember who gathered the waters together. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering of the waters, he called seas. He created it, and he decreed it was good. 
He'd given man breath. He'd given man life. He'd given man a free will. And because that free will was abused by our fathers, what God called good became bad. And so judgment came from the Creator. But God remembered Noah. God always, always remembers the righteous. He made a way of escape for Noah, called it the ark. Noah and a remnant to come away from judgment and be set free. To do what? To worship, to praise, to be his people here on earth. God always, always has a remnant. We are his remnant because of the name of the baby that we dedicated this morning because of grace. She's not responsible, but undeserved favor is responsible. We have become righteous. Wow. That makes you feel a lot better, doesn't it? You sit up and think, I'm righteous. Think, no, 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 I can't be righteous because I don't feel righteous. But you didn't see what I did this week. I don't feel righteous. Well, 2 Corinthians 5 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God by ourselves. No, in him. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you can sit up. Can put your head high and say, I'm righteous. Don't care what you think of me. I am righteous. Paul says, Romans 11, even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Undeserved favor. So God has not forgotten you. Noah was righteous. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are righteous, and he has not forgotten you. You are part of his remnant. And the wind came, and the waters subsided, and 150 days passed, and the waters began to decrease. And at the end of the 10th month, the mountaintops began to appear. And one day, Noah decides to open the window of his ark. The ark had three floors, but the window faced the sky, the heavens. Little clue there with regards to your outlook and my outlook. Keep your outlook towards heaven and not towards earth. Because if you look towards earth, you'll see man at his worst. If you look towards heaven and the heavens, you'll see God at his best. Keep your outlook up. And it was from the top that Noah one day sent out a raven. And the raven went back and went forth. And verse 8 says, he also sent out from himself a dove. But the dove could find no resting place. It couldn't find a place to rest. 
And so come, so back comes the dove. And this is what I really particularly want to come to this morning, that what has been impressed in my mind. We looked the other Sunday there that we are presents, not presents, not Christmas presents, but presents carriers. We actually host the Spirit of God, His presence in our lives. What a privilege. And the dove represents, as we know, don't we, the Holy Spirit. The raven represents our carnality, our flesh, our soulish thinking and feelings. And the raven feeds off the flesh. And that's the raven going out was feeding off the carcasses that were left after God's judgment. Bodies that were lying around after the flood. Because the raven is an unclean bird, according to God's Word. The raven was happy to rest on flesh, but not the dove. The dove really will only eat seed. That's another message. (laughs) But think about that. The dove will really only eat, I think it would be 90-odd percent of what it eats is seed. But the dove was looking for a place to rest, but it would only land on what was dry and what was clean. And that's why it kept coming back to the ark. It wouldn't just land anywhere. Now, I want you to think, fast forward in your mind to the New Testament. Fast forward in your mind to Jesus being baptized. Coming to John the Baptist and going through baptism. Picture the scene. It wasn't a raven that landed on him. The Spirit landed on him like a, like a dove. God doesn't send the dove to the unclean. God sends the dove to the pure. And the dove landed because it was sent by the Father to the Son, the Son who was spotless, the Son who was clean, no flesh, no unrighteousness, no selfishness, no pride, no envy, no lust, no sin at all was found in him. At various times in the Old Testament, God sent his Holy Spirit to land on various people. The fact is, right from the very beginning in Genesis 1, it tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the, the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering, was hovering over the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep. He's consistently hovered over people and sometimes landed on people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses as he led the children of Israel, Samson until Delilah arrived. Came upon David. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. And then Bathsheba appeared in David's life. Daniel, Isaiah wrote about the one that was to come. But Isaiah wasn't that one. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the prophets, 
The Holy Spirit rested upon them, but did not remain. Sent, but didn't remain, because they weren't the one. Then Jesus came. He was the one. This time, the Holy Spirit was found by the one and found the one that the Father had sent, and they found a place to rest. He rested because he was 100% clean, 100% pure, 100% holy. He rested on God the Son. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Three holies, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why Pentecost is amazing. Because after Calvary, the Holy Spirit was sent again. Not to one, not just one son, but to 120 sons. And this time, the Holy Spirit remained and has been with the church the true sons and daughters of God ever since. A dove is an interesting bird. A dove will fly up to 150 miles to find a place to rest. It'll fly and it'll fly and it'll fly and it'll fly to find a place to rest. A dove nests above the earth, usually in the cleft of a rock. A dove will fight and fight and fight for supremacy in its place of rest. It will resist strongly anything that tries to dwell in its place of rest. Just think about that. You've probably applied that already in your mind. Just think of that. The Holy Spirit wants to migrate to your life, to my life. He wants to find a place to rest. He'll cause us to build our nest in the rock. David said in Psalm 61, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. As we saw last week, we need to climb higher. Jacob climbed the ladder. We go to the rock that is higher, and we nest there. And as we nest there, the Spirit of God finds a place to rest. And in that place of rest, the dove, the Holy Spirit, will fight for you and for me. If any unclean birds come along and seek to invade your nest, the Holy Spirit will fight. The dove will fight for you and for me. So there's a holy battle going on because the Holy Spirit is looking in my life and in your life for a place to rest. But He won't rest on our carnality. He won't rest on our religion. He won't rest on our flesh, our dead works, our pride, our envy. The ravens will land there, but the Holy Spirit, the dove, will not land there. Doves land when we go higher. Doves land when we clear a space in our lives. 
Dove's land where they are welcomed. Dove's land where there's peace. D.L. Moody said this as well. The Holy Spirit in us is one thing. The Holy Spirit on us is another thing. The Holy Spirit in us is one thing. The Holy Spirit on us is something totally different. God sent His Holy Spirit to land on Jesus at His baptism, and He said what? He says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. God sent His Holy Spirit to 120 who were waiting in expectation. In a sense, they had cleared the runway. They had cleared their agenda. They had cleared their diary. They had cleared their lives. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them. One sat on each one of them. Not in one of them, on one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right there in that room was the right place for the dove of God to land. So Noah sent out from himself a dove looking for a place to land. True to say that the Holy Spirit is flying up and down looking for lives to land on, looking for a landing place, because He doesn't just want to be in us, He wants to be on us. And God is waiting for the waters of our self-indulgence, our pride, our envy, our self-promotion and preservation, and our selfish attitudes. He's waiting for those waters to recede and come down and come down. The ravens will land anywhere, but the dove can't land or thrive in our carnality or our religiosity. So maybe a suggestion, how about clearing our self-life, our flesh life from the runways of our lives and make room for God Himself to land? God the Holy Spirit, to land in our surrendered lives, our surrendered families, our surrendered marriages, our surrendered fellowship, our surrendered church. And we'll find if that happens, that not only has the Holy Spirit found a place to rest, but suddenly we will be in rest too. Holy Spirit in us is one thing. The Holy Spirit on us is another. Let me just finish with a story. Time's nearly gone. Yesterday, or the day before, Susan and I went out and bought, not this Christmas tree, but a Christmas tree for our house. And this tree, as we walked around this garden center, was a beautiful tree. Beautiful. It was uh, it was costly, <laughs> that's the first thing, but it was, it was beautiful. 
It filled the space that it was in, in the garden center beautifully. Its branches were widespread, bigger than that one, actually, when I look at it. And we went back for it yesterday morning. And uh, what I found was, when I went back, I didn't recognize the tree. Because what they had done is, they had, you know how they, they bind it with a netting, round and round. And this beautiful tree had gone from being beautiful and expressive and large and branches everywhere, it's suddenly gone to being very tight and restricted. When it was cut free in the garden center, it was beautiful. But now when we bought it and took it on that basis. But when it arrived in our house, it didn't look so good in our dining room just sort of sitting like that. We had to get our scissors and start to go from the bottom to the top to cut the tree free. And now, if you come to our house, you'll see this beautiful tree, branches everywhere. What we suddenly realized was we had to start moving furniture because this tree was large. And things had to move And things had to change, and we had to adapt to this tree being in our house. Now, some of you are smiling because you know exactly what I'm going to say now. The ones who are smiling are the little preachers because they know exactly where I'm going with this. What I'm going with is that often the Holy Spirit and our first reaction and knowledge and seeing the Holy Spirit, we see this beautiful Holy Spirit, expressive. It takes over. And then through our stupidity and our carnal thinking and our fleshly thinking, we begin to bind and bind and bind. And what started off expressive and beautiful and we had to adjust to, suddenly the tree is having to adjust to me. That happens in churches. That happens in families. That happens in marriages. That happens in our own lives. The Holy Spirit is bound. Just a suggestion. Wouldn't it be a good idea to let the tree, let the Holy Spirit break loose? Wouldn't it? Imagine if you came round to our house, as you're all invited this coming Thursday for the Connect Group Christmas Bonanza. <laughs> Imagine if you came and you saw the tree like that in the corner, a few lights round about it. You say, what's going on here? This is stupid. Why are you not taking advantage of the tree and all that the tree's got to offer? Why don't you let the tree express itself? No, this is how we like it. It means that we're going to have to move some things around here if we let this tree express itself. Things will have to change. But some of us in our lives have done just that. We have the Holy Spirit just where we want Him in a corner, bound, not set free. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. We thank you that you are here, that you want to give us life and life to the full, that you're not just for Christmas, but you for the whole year round. 
Thank you that you want to bless us. You want to express yourself in our lives. You want to show us what God is all about. And Lord, we repent that we have bound you. We have restricted you. We have decided that we'll have you in a corner. But we'll not release you. This morning, I want to get you to do something practical. I want you to take your right hand and put your right hand on your head. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will land on your head this morning. And all your thoughts, all your plans, all your designs, that you will clear that runway and let the Holy Spirit just land And all your thinking, that you'll put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, land on my heart. Clear my emotions, my soulish desires, my flesh. Holy Spirit, land on my heart so that I will have a heart for the broken hearted. And then grab the hand of the person sitting next to you. Lord, I pray for this person. I pray for their hands. I pray that the Lord Jesus will guide their hands by His Holy Spirit to bless and heal and encourage the brokenhearted. Use our hands, Lord. Holy Spirit, come upon our hands. Heal, fill, Holy Spirit. Release, Holy Spirit. Be Lord, Holy Spirit. Take our ground, Holy Spirit. We give you permission. We set you free to live in our church, to live in our families, to live in our lives, to live in our marriages. We set you free this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you. We cannot do it without you. You are our desire. We repent, Lord, for times when your Holy Spirit has been bound, restricted. Ravens have been landing, but the dove hasn't been able to land. Holy Spirit, we give you permission this morning. Help us to fall more in love with Jesus. Help us to offer up our lives as living sacrifices. And when you do, Lord, when you do, we will be sure to give you all the glory, all the praise, all the thanksgiving. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand for our final song. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.